Well, hello again. <laughs> As always, thanks for tuning in, folks. PCC Sustain Me is jazzed to have joined forces with The Bridge, Portland Community College's student newspaper. This means there will be a weekly column online for your eyeballs to enjoy with the weekly episodes. Isn't that nice? And we are super duper stoked to be working in partnership with Gypsum, the Greater Portland Sustainability Education Network as well. You can connect and access the program via gpsen.org too. Now the podcast has multiple cozy places to call home. (laughs) Okay, well, back to the program we go. From Portland Community College, this is PCC Sustain Me. I'm Joe Colhane, and today we're going to be talking about the proposed Jordan Cove LNG pipeline and the reasons it's a really fracking bad idea. Boom, boom, darkness falls, headlights in the afternoon. On Tuesday, January 15th, at 4 p.m. in Salem, Oregon, a rally and public hearing was held at the Oregon Department of Veteran Affairs. It was a mighty cold afternoon and early evening, though thankfully there was a cozy blanket of solidarity from the hundreds of concerned folks who came out to participate in the rally and share their thoughts as to why this pipeline should not be built. The rally was hosted by a coalition of local organizations, which were Rogue Climate, Cascadia Wildlands Oregon Chapter, Opal Environmental Justice Oregon, Justice, Oregon, 350 PDX, 350 Salem, and 350 Eugene, Portland Rising Tide, Oregon Physicians for Responsibility, Our Children's Trust, Rogue Riverkeepers, Stop Fracked Gas PDX, Portland Democratic Socialists of America, No LNG Exports, and Oregon Just Transition Alliance. The rally also had a number of passionate speakers from the public, private, and government sectors. Their words were engaging, passionate, and meaningful, and I would like to share them with you today. Before I do that, I would like to acknowledge that this program is being recorded on the traditional village sites of the Multnomah, Cathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of the Chinook, Tualatin Kalapuya, Olala, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. Multnomah is a band of Chinooks that lived in this area. We thank the descendants of these tribes for being the original stewards and protectors of these lands since time immemorial. We also acknowledge that Portland, Oregon has the ninth largest urban Native American population in the U.S., with over 380 federally recognized tribes represented in the urban Portland metropolitan area. We also acknowledge the systemic policies of genocide, relocation, and assimilation that still impact many indigenous Native American families today. We are honored by the collective work of many Native nations, leaders, and families who are demonstrating resilience, resistance, revitalization, healing, and creativity. We are honored to be guests upon these lands. Thank you, 
and thanks also to our colleagues at the Portland State University Indigenous Nations Studies Program for crafting this acknowledgement. just heard was a song by Kaila Farrell-Smith, the co-director of Signal Fire and a Klamath tribal member. You'll hear more from her from the rally in just a bit. I'm not sure how many of you have been to a rally or protest before, and I just have to say that I have found them to be very exciting and powerful experiences, and um, I thought for this episode, I'd like to bring you along for the ride, so to speak, to hear what the hundreds of folks in attendance heard, and ideally, maybe feel some of the energy and passion these speakers had when it came to why they are against the building of this liquid natural gas pipeline. After sharing the audio from the rally, I will also share a few additional statistics and reasons to consider for why we should strongly consider not building this thing. Okay, without further ado, let's get into the rally. The Willamette River Valley home for, for many, many hundreds and thousands of years before white settlers came to this place. I want to collectively thank those peoples for stewarding the land and for all of the work that they continue to do today to defend our clean air, our clean water, and the earth that we call home. With that, I would like to invite our first speaker, Rowena Jackson, Klamath tribal member, who's going to start us with a poem. Please give her a warm welcome. Hello. My name is Rowena Jackson. I'm a member of the Klamath tribes. And uh, so I wanted to say that um, I've been a part of uh, the public hearings last year in regards to FERC when we were dealing with the permit with them. And I had started uh, writing a poem and it, everywhere I went, it would change. So I, I would call them drafts. And ever since then, I've been rewriting what my experience is and what, what was meaningful for me as a tribal member in dealing with the, the LNG pipeline. And so today I'm gonna uh, read draft 13, and it's the first time that I put it on a t-shirt. Um, I'm reading it from my t-shirt because I didn't print it out on paper. Okay, here goes. It is a given to protect and love our fish for all my relations and next generations. After one of two testimonies downriver, youth met me. Water is life, tears in our eyes. We shook hands and they thanked me for them I rise. 
My two minutes were precious each time I showed up. Our youth deserve good things when they grow up. Today is day five, DSL, Department State Lands, public hearing. Green shirts, green hats, vanish in red shadows. We are cheering, speaking, volunteering, and live streaming. Sharing strengths and encouragement, we continue to oppose. Ms. Walker and Department State Lands, you too can be a water protector. As we gather on stolen homelands, deny the Pacific Connector. For climate's sake, don't side with the snake. Water is life. A clear conscience is a blessing. No regrets in the afterlife because you opposed and stopped the oppressing. Kate Brown, don't let us down. Corporations dominate in order to excavate. My elders fought hard, near and far. Intergenerational trauma, I nurtured my scar. I am water from Klamath and Crater Lake. I will protect our stolen village sites. I embrace tribal sacred sites. Rest in peace, my ancestors. Heads up oppressors and even investors against the gas pipeline since the doctrine of discovery and on the front lines. I am bringing awareness and addressing the highlights. Since 1864, we are still at war. Ancestors are with me as I roll up my sleeves. Pipeline verbal track records most likely deceives. Eminent domain for capital gain. This is this mistreatment is so inhumane. In Wells Fargo I divest because Mother Earth and her veins are stressed. Jordan Co. Pipeline, it's time to resign. This is my home, like the Lava Beds Catacomb. So I pray for the people we overcome all this evil. This comment is the true definition of homeland security. All walks of life in solidarity. United we stand as I raise my hand. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rowena. <laughs> Next up, I want to invite Kaila Farrell-Smith, co-director co of uh, the oh, Signal Fire, thank you, and celebrated artist also a Klamath tribal member. Please give a warm welcome to Kaila. Waklisi. I'm so happy to see all of you here today. It's really, really exciting. I want to give a huge thank you to all the volunteers and all the landowners and all the tribe, tribal members and all the artists and everybody that's come together in this fight for over 12 years. Thank you so much for showing up today. Give yourself a round of applause. As a Klamath tribal member and artist and activist, I'm here, like all of you, to protect clean water and protect our homelands from this disastrous pipeline proposal. It is threatened to go under 235 miles 
of our wildfire-prone forests and underneath 485 of our clean drinking waterways. That's insane. We cannot pollute our water anymore. We cannot have the export terminal, which would be like an explosive gas plant in a tsunami zone with an earthquake that's imminent. This can't happen. From our northern borders to our southern borders, I stand united with my brothers and sisters who are fighting LNG gas pipelines up in Canada. We stand in solidarity with them. They're being arrested in the snow right now. We can't have that anymore. We need to stop this now. From our southern borders, the children are being stolen from their families and put in concentration camps. We can't have this happening any longer. I see a sign that says, neo-colonialism sucks. It does. So we're here today in solidarity with our brothers and sisters from all across the Americas. The Eagle and Condor unite. And I want to sing a song, a woman's warrior song that was passed down to me from an Okanagan sister, Kiksta Sepka Echa, for singing this song. This entire sound setup is powered literally by people, so let's give it up for the folks that are making this possible. That's really cool. In just a moment, we're going to have one of the plaintiffs in the youth v. U.S. government um, uh, lawsuit. But first, I'd like to invite Senator James Manning, who represents the 7th District of Oregon. Lane County, parts of North Eugene. We're so glad that he could join us today. <laughs> Senator Manning, thank you so much. Thank you. Oregon, good morning, good evening. I am a bit hoarse. Uh, I've been arguing with a few people about this particular subject. Uh, the decision has already been made. We have to stop it now. Yeah. Yeah. We have to stop it now, and it begins with you, me, our families, people that we don't even know, that believe that we have to have a, a place to live, not for this generation, not for the next generation, but for five generations to come. Yeah. We have to develop a long-term strategy to make sure that we have fresh clean water. This project would jeopardize that. There is no proof 
that a pipeline will not break. I have not seen that. I've seen cases where these pipelines break and they poison the water. I have seen places where when they break, they emit odors into our atmosphere. You don't see birds or fowls flying in those areas. Fish are dying. People have to relocate to live. This is a bad project and I will fight it. I will fight it. I will fight it, and I need you to fight it. Now, this is what we're up against. We're up against a foreign country, a foreign country that's willing to come to America and claim eminent domain and take land from the public take land from our private citizens, I'm not okay with that. No. Are you okay with that? No. Then you know what we have to do. We have to make sure that we get our legislators on board. Right now, we are going to pass the Clean Energy Jobs Bill here in the state of Florida. I have talked to some of my legislative colleagues that know about this. We are going to put in some legislation that's going to fight against this. Now, the federal government has already approved this because they're getting paid. They're getting paid under the table. Well, in Oregon, we do not accept that. You can't come into Oregon and claim this is yours by eminent domain. We will not stand for that. We will not stand to have a foreign government come in and make money offer our land and our resources. That's not what we're about. That's not what Oregon is about. So I need everybody, contact your representative, contact your senator, tell them that we stand united against the LNG pipeline. We don't want it, we didn't ask for it, and we won't take it. Thank you. Sorry. I want to remind folks that the Department of State Lands are planning on opening the building at around 5 o'clock, 5.15 is when the testimony sign-up will begin. If you are planning to speak, be sure to get into this line. If you're not planning on speaking, don't be in the line ready to sign up for testimony. So just a quick reminder on that. Next up, I want to invite Jacob, who is a plaintiff in the Youth v. Gov trial and I want to hear a little bit from him about why this project uh, is, is bad for the youth of, uh, of our world. So please give a warm welcome to Jacob. Thank you, thank you very much. Good evening everybody, it is a great honor to be here. Uh, I'm so, so happy to see many, many young faces in this crowd. Uh, this is about your future and the future of your children. Um, I'm Jacob, I live on a farm close to Roseburg, Oregon, and I'm a plaintiff in the Our Children's Trust Federal Lawsuit. Um, thank you. I'm not sure how many landowners there are here today that are in the path of the pipeline. Uh, the pipeline route is supposed to run just about one mile from my family farm, so I've been receiving these from uh, Bambina and Jordan Cove just about every week. Um, I've received about six, and uh, you know what this is like? 
This is like that creepy person in your class that's asked you out a bunch of times and you said no, and now they're sending you giant postcards in the mail every week. And, they, and the, the postcards are saying things like, we're safe. Where are your neighbors? This is our home. And you know very well that they've moved from Calgary, Canada, and they're only here for about a month. And there's something pretty fishy about that. And then they start bribing all your friends and your teachers. So this is what it's been like for people uh, who've been in this fight for the last four years. There are a few things that rub me the wrong way as much as false, dishonest advertising, especially when it's about putting a giant 36-inch tube full of explosive material a mile away from my family farm. <coughs> On October 10, 2018, in, in Victoria, BC, or close to in, in British Columbia, Residents on a small reservation saw a fireball go up in the air that could be seen for miles around. The entire community was evacuated. A hundred people, it was a small community, they were all evacuated. And it turns out it was a natural gas pipeline that had exploded. In 2014, an LNG facility in Washington cracked and leaked uh, gas that sickened workers and evacuated residents of the town for three miles around. So this project is dangerous in many ways, but perhaps it is most dangerous because it threatens the very existence and viability of the ecosystems and natural resources that all of us in Oregon cherish and depend on for health and livelihood, and in many cases, our survival. The third Oregon climate assessment clearly states that snowmelt in the Cascades and our mountain could be nearly gone within the next 50 years. That means no snowmelt feeding our rivers during the summer. That means warming waters for salmon. That means toxic algae blooms. You cannot mitigate for salmon runs as the company is proposing to do if your rivers no longer support salmon. This project will transport and, and burn 78 million tons of LNG per year. This is mostly methane. It's 84 times as potent a greenhouse gas as carbon dioxide. The state admission of the Department of State Lands, where we're at today here tonight, the state admission that I read off their website is to ensure a legacy for Oregonians and our public school through sound stewardship of Oregon's land, water, and water resources. To permit this project, which would transport natural gas and promote its exploitation and burning for the next 50 years, flies in the face of the state admission of this department agency. I wish this agency would recognize that and listen to its best science. I also wish that my federal government would recognize it is unconstitutional and against the very foundational values of our country to permit new projects like Jordan Cove that threaten the life, liberty, property, and future of young people and future generations. You see advertising like this, this can be bought with money. Millions and millions of dollars. Pipelines, they can be bought with money. You know what can't be bought with money? A stable climate. Old growth forests can't be bought with money. Wild rivers filled with salmon can't be bought with money. Clean air, a place where you feel home. Community and people showing up to hearings like this, taking time out of their lives, that can't be bought with money. And this is why it gives me hope every day. Yeah, at the same time, it's also what makes this fight so hard. Because there are so many people and leaders in our government that believe in money and pipelines over believing in themselves. There are people who would rather believe that a big foreign company from Canada can come in and fix all their problems, or believe that Trump can come in and fix all their problems, instead of rolling up their sleeves and creating a future in industries and jobs that their children will be proud to work in. I'm a farmer 
and a rancher and I work with woodworkers and mechanics and welders every day. People deserve good jobs. We should not be on opposing sides of this. We need to support our brothers and sisters in the unions in creating new renewable industries while not destroying people's homes and people's communities. We need to work twice as hard in the courts, in the streets, at hearings in our homes, in politics, to show our fellow citizens that there is another way and it is the only way for our survival. We are going to need your heart and your minds and your hands today and every day to help assure politicians that we will not back down and we will stop this pipeline. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. All right, it's a little cold out here, so we're gonna amp up the energy a little bit. I see that we are, are, are we have Governor Kate Brown here with us in the, in the rally audience. You know, I'm really excited because Governor Kate Brown keeps saying that uh, climate change is something we really need to address. Um, but uh, she hasn't come out in opposition to this project yet. Come on, Kate. Come on, Kate. So I think maybe we should do uh, a little bit of a chant so that uh, Governor Brown can hear us. So, so repeat after me. Hey, Governor Brown. We don't need no LNG. 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 Hey, Governor Brown. <laughs> I want to invite up our next speaker, who is a newly elected state senator. Before I do that, I'm just going to do a couple of housekeeping announcements. There are uh, beverages and, and food available, so please find your way to that if you need it. Remember that even if you can't make it into the building, we've got a place for you to watch the No LNG Exports live stream of the hearing. Uh, and now, I'm very excited to introduce the newly elected state senator representing District District 3 in the Rogue Valley, Medford through Ashland. Um, and I'm very excited that he's here with us today to talk a little bit about uh, why this project would be so catastrophic for the district he represents uh, and all of the nearby counties. So please welcome State Senator Jeff Golden. Well, I'm pretty damn excited to be here myself. Thanks for asking me here. As far as talking about what a catastrophe this project would be, I can't do better than Jacob, who just spoke, or all the, the young people from our Children's Trust who are making a huge difference nationally in this whole debate. So Jacob, thank you and, and your, uh, your posse for leading the way on this. So I, I just finished a long, kind of grueling political campaign in the last year. And I don't know if a single day passed when somebody didn't ask me, is this pipeline going to get built? And uh, I wasn't always sure what to say, but when I went to the DSO hearing in Medford last week and when I'm here today, I know the answer to that question. This pipeline is not going to get built. Well, the rally went on for another 20 minutes or so before they opened the doors for the public hearing. But I just wanted to, you know, bring it in here and 
you know, just give gratitude to all the people who came out to the rally, all those who spoke, all those who spoke in the hearing, and all those who are continuing to stand up against the pipeline and terminal. You know, there are folks out there who argue that without these fossil fuel energy sources, we wouldn't be able to have so much of what we've come to take for granted, like transportation systems, our heat in our homes, the manufacturing of so much of our electronics and technology, and the list goes on. The truth is, we have become hugely dependent on fossil fuels for our current way of life. That is something we absolutely need to come to terms with and actively explore other ways of living. Sure, we can't all go live in a cabin in the woods, as nice as that sounds. The whole paradigm of our current lifestyles, the foundation of most of our towns and city infrastructures, our roofs, and so many aspects of our reality, have been conceived and built upon fossil fuel. That is incredible to consider, isn't it? And indeed, I am living, as is most of us, with the comforts and support that fossil fuels have provided. I've known no other life, in fact. None of us really have. At least in modern times here. Very few. (laughs) Alas, they have compromised our climate, these fossil fuels, The extraction of these energy inputs have devastated so much of the precious world we live on and are indeed a part of. Our oceans, rivers, and streams have been spoiled, polluted, and the waste and consumption largely connected to fossil fuels has helped to create a climate crisis that we're facing. And this is a big, no, it's it's a massive concept to reckon with how we need to stop post-haste the extraction of future fossil fuel reserves, as they call them, and find ways to tell better stories and ways to live our lives in a, you know, pursuit that will be more harmonious with the natural order of nature. We've spent a great deal of humanity's journey living as though we are separate from nature, and it is high time we acknowledge and get back to embracing our connection to nature. And this also means that we stop living and pretending that we are at the top of a hierarchy that we created. That's the anthropocentric viewpoint, the epoch that we have created, the Anthropocene, the human-caused reality with most of our trees our old growth trees wiped off the planet with so much fossil fuels extracted that we've reached peak oil in so many ways and now it is harder and harder to extract them and that's why we're going to the arctic and out to deep sea and fracking and doing all these super intensive utilizing fresh water and more it's just costing more and more energy to invest in in regards to the energy returned and It's just not going to work. It's not sustainable. We have to change it. Well, okay. I just want to go back to um, how grateful I am that the organizers of this rally were kind enough to, you know, host and facilitate the rally itself, but also to put together a packet with really well-supported science-based evidence as to why this pipeline and terminal should not be built. So I'm just going to read 
some of that so that you can understand uh, what's what's going on here uh, and why the fracked gas export will harm our waters. The proposed Pacific Connector gas pipeline and the Jordan Cove liquefied natural gas, the LNG terminal, will dramatically impact water resources throughout the region. This paper is meant to summarize some of the key impacts on water that will occur if this project is built and operated. The project would become Oregon's largest source of climate-changing greenhouse gas pollution. The proposed Pacific Connector and Jordan Cove LNG terminal represent an enormous step backwards for water and salmon. This comes at a time when people all across the Northwest are struggling to address the impacts of dams on salmon, investing hundreds of millions in dam removal and salmon recovery. The impacts from the Pacific Connector Pipeline and Jordan Cove LNG Terminal will harm tribal people directly by diminishing water quality, degrading salmon habitat, and undermining the livelihoods of tribal members who depend on these resources. By bringing salmon closer to extinction, the project poses a huge threat to people who rely on salmon throughout Southern Oregon and Northern California. And what this proposal really is. The Pacific Connector Pipeline would be 36 inches in diameter. It would carry fracked gas, which is mostly made up of methane. Methane is much more potent as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. The pipeline would not carry liquid oil or liquid methane. Instead, the pipeline would be full of high-pressure, flammable gas that is not odorized. The pipeline would be approximately 230 miles in length. It would carry high-pressure fracked gas from Malin near the California border to the proposed Jordan Cove Liquefied Natural Gas LNG Export Terminal. The source of the gas in the pipeline is gas wells throughout North America, both in the U.S. and Canada. Most of this gas is produced through hydraulic fracturing that we now call just fracking. At the Jordan Cove terminal, the gas would be supercooled into a liquid, liquefied natural gas. Once liquefied, the gas would be shipped overseas in LNG tankers. The project involves massive dredging in Coos Bay to facilitate very large LNG tankers. At each step of the project, the projects will impact water resources. Fracking pollutes groundwater near fracking wells to produce the gas. The pipeline would harm wetlands, rivers, and streams in its path. And the terminal and dredging would degrade the Coos Bay estuary, where gas would be liquefied and shipped. The damage extends overseas as well. Dredge disposal and shipping will impact ocean waters, and overseas water resources will be impacted near gas-fired industrial sites. Finally, the project's massive global warming pollution will contribute to climate change, which impacts water resources everywhere. The Pacific Connector Pipeline will pollute water in a number of ways. It's important to recognize that, although the pipeline does not pose the risk of an oil spill, it does have an enormous impact because frac gas pipelines carry their own dangers that would be felt throughout the region. These impacts include harm to clean water, fishing, and wildlife. The pipeline will harm water. The Pacific Connector Pipeline will pollute water in a number of ways. 
It's important to recognize that, although the pipeline does not pose the risk of an oil spill, it does have enormous impacts because fracked gas pipelines carry their own dangers that would be felt throughout the region. These impacts include harms to clean water, fishing, and wildlife habitat that sustain people in the Klamath region and beyond. These negative effects are felt first and worst by people in tribal communities who rely on healthy fish runs, clean water, and the livelihood they support. The pipeline will harm streams, rivers, and wetlands it crosses. Construction of the pipeline will impact hundreds of streams and rivers. Pacific Connector says it will cross 485 water bodies and involve over six miles of construction in wetlands. In most stream crossings, the pipeline will be placed in the stream in an open trench while the stream bed or river bed is deprived of water. In many places, this involves damming the stream temporarily or diverting the stream so that construction can take place in the stream bed. This type of open-cut crossing will be used for the north, middle, and east forks of the Coquille River, multiple forks of Myrtle Creek, one crossing of the South Umpqua River, Lost Creek, many tributaries in the Rogue and Klamath Basin, and dozens of additional streams and rivers. Many fish-bearing streams will be crossed by dry, open-cut methods. This will impair the ability of the fish to migrate, reproduce, and grow in Oregon streams and rivers. In most wetlands, the pipelines would be constructed while water is still present. This is called a wet crossing. Pipeline construction compacts soil, pollutes water, and destroys vegetation. At each place where the pipeline crosses streams, the construction will degrade fish habitat and water quality. Construction of the pipeline will remove shade from streams, warming water to make it harder for fish to survive. Construction will increase sediment and turbidity, which is the murkiness, in the streams. This also harms fish and fish habitat. These and other water quality impacts will diminish the quality of habitat for fish. It may also harm people's drinking water supplies. According to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, Review of this project, construction of the pipeline would remove riparian, streamside vegetation, reduce shade, and increase the exposure of surface water to radiant energy, which is sunshine, including those within riparian reserves. The pipeline developer tries to downplay these rising stream temperatures by saying they would only be significant for small streams. Yet small streams feed big streams, and high water temperatures are one of the biggest obstacles to healthy fish habitat. Many of the watersheds in the path of the pipeline, including the upper Klamath Basin, already have high stream temperatures, and the state does not yet have a plan to lower temperatures, even as the proposed pipeline would worsen this hot water problem. NOAA Fisheries wrote about this pipeline in 2009, Pipeline crossings would elevate stream temperatures within vicinity of the crossings, 0.4 to 0.5 degrees Celsius. Many of the streams crossed by the pipeline are at or above the optimal temperature for salmonids. An increase this large will increase stress and disease and decrease fitness of rearing juveniles. In short, a key fisheries agency has identified that the pipeline could cause dramatic harm to fish and fish habitat where stream temperatures are already too high. Even the FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, 
found that clearing and grading of stream banks, removal of riparian vegetation in stream trenching, trench dewatering, and backfilling could result in stream bank modification, increased sedimentation, turbidity, increase in temperature, decreased dissolved oxygen concentrations, releases of chemical and nutrient pollutants from sediments, and introduction of chemical contaminants, such as fuel and lubricants. An increase in soil compaction and vegetation clearing could potentially increase runoff and subsequent stream flow or peak flows. Surface waters could be impacted due to alteration of groundwater flow where the pipeline intersects water bodies. You know, there's a lot more information about how this whole project is going to negatively impact the waterways and land and Fire raised the the dangers and hazards of fire. If uh, the pipeline were to rupture, as was noted during the rally uh, speeches, and it's really not a smart decision at this point in our climate crisis and where we stand with the loss of our ecosystems, wildlife, the extinction of so many plants, animals, birds, insects, this is a step in the wrong direction. It just is. It really has to be stopped. And that is why this rally had so many passionate people present. Because this does not need to be made. In fact, it should not be made. We cannot keep moving in the wrong direction. We cannot continue with business as usual. The time is right now to stop this insatiable thirst for fossil fuel and reckon with the reality of our circumstances and the consequences that we have already created. This episode was designed to just raise awareness and share with those who might not know much about the LNG pipeline terminal and all of this, you know, information. And I really encourage you to Go online and research as much as you can and learn more as to why this and so many fossil fuel, uh, coal, <laughs> you know, oil, all these, all of the ways that the extraction processes are still going on, they just need to stop. And there is so much data, so much science, so many articles and thousands of scientists worldwide who are telling us this is it. We have to stop it. We cannot continue in this way. What we can do is reckon with it and embrace that the reality we need to move towards is one that has more justice and peace and equity and connection to the natural world that we are a part of, that we're intrinsically connected to, and that everyone needs to be in this together if we are to change it. We need to tell better stories. We must. And we really, of course, Need to love them all. <laughs> Every last one we meet. Love them all and let them all break your heart. It's not like they all are broken from the start. Well, thanks for tuning in and thanks again to all those who showed up to the rally and supported our land, air, water, and trees, and all the beings of this planet. 
and to those who spoke at the hearing, and of course all those who have been standing up against this pipeline and terminal being built. It is worth noting, Kate Brown wasn't actually at the rally. There was, however, an amazing bobblehead likeness of Kate Brown there. Uh, it was like a papier-mâché head, it was incredible, and also a really scary methane monster in attendance as well. You can see pictures of them on Instagram if you go to PCC Sustain. If this is your first time tuning in to the program, thank you. It is always greatly appreciated also if you go on to Apple Podcast and subscribe to the program and rate the show. That way it helps other people find it and uh, also be able to listen to previous episodes, of course. Big thanks to all the organizations, once again, who helped put the rally together. And thanks go out to my darling wife, Rachel Robinson, for the intro and outro music. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by me, Joe Colhain. And I have to just reiterate again how important it is that we do not build this pipeline and liquefied natural gas terminal. We are past the point where building new fossil fuel infrastructure can happen. May we find ways to move forward together, finding ways to celebrate our differences and our diversities as we collectively move towards this more sustainable and socially just reality I know is possible. That, of course, would happen more successfully if we love them all. <laughs> Every last one we meet. Forgive us all, baby.